Well, welcome everyone. Here we are again. Uh, didn't really anticipate being back in this situation right now, but uh, I'm glad the elders have made the decision they have to try to protect the church, uh, given the the cases that are going around right now locally and, and in our church family. So uh, I'm going to relearn how to talk to the camera this evening, this morning for you watching, and I guess you're going to relearn how to watch sermons online. Uh, the good news is you can go back to muting or fast-forwarding if you want to, and uh, I'll go back to trying to talk to nobody and uh, uh, learn how that feels again. Let, let's just have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Lord God, our Father, we thank you for all the ways that you meet us and bless us, and uh, even when we're apart, your Spirit unites us. And we pray that you'll take your word and open it to us this morning. And uh, bless us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's uh, Christmas time. Actually, it's not for me. It's still Thanksgiving time uh, tomorrow. But for all of us now on Sunday morning when we're watching this, it's Christmas time now. And that's a great time of year for a lot of people. Let me just ask you this as we're getting started. What's the meaning of Christmas? Kids that are watching, this may be a question that you want to answer. Uh, maybe even right now you, you want to pause your screen and, and talk about this as a family. What's the meaning of Christmas? Now some people might quickly say it's the beauty and the lights. It's a time when we enjoy things like that or when we enjoy giving and getting presents. Some people may even say, well, it's a time when we get together with family. And that is a part of Christmas. But all of those things are not the meaning of Christmas. Some of you may have even gone further and gotten a better answer. You may have said, it's about Jesus. And Jesus being born into our world. And that is true. But even that has to be qualified if we're going to understand the meaning of Christmas. We can't understand the birth of Jesus as if it's one more cute Christmas story or cute Christmas song. The birth of Jesus doesn't go along in the same category, on the same level as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or as the night before Christmas would go. That's not the way we understand the birth of Jesus. The way we understand the birth of Jesus is about reality. It's about flesh and bone and blood. In fact, it is a bloody story. It's a story of ruthless politics. It's a story where babies die and little children die because of Jesus' birth. It's a story that involves King Herod and eventually the emperor of Rome himself. The story of Jesus' birth is a story of a broken world that's longing for help. It's the story of God's covenant people who are longing for the promises that they've had for centuries to be fulfilled. The story of Christmas is the story of God reclaiming his creation. It's the story of Jesus coming to rule and reign as king over the kingdom of God. This is a cosmic story. This is the true story of the whole world coming to a climactic moment in history. 
I always think about the words to the song at Christmas time, O Little Town of Bethlehem. I have to apologize for some of my people in Kentucky still watch my sermons online sometimes, and uh, they've heard me tell, uh, use this line so many times I feel bad, but it's a different setting here. The, the song, the, the line of the song that really gets me is, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shines the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. That is a powerful representation of the meaning of Christmas. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In the dark streets of Bethlehem was shining the everlasting light. That is the mystery of Christmas. That's the magic of Christmas. That is a meaning that Santa Claus can't compare to. Josh and I are going to be talking over the next four to five weeks or so about Christmas. And we've called the series based on a, an Advent book that I have. Uh, the book is called Watch for the Light, and we've, we've called this series Watch for the Light. And we're going to be thinking about what it means to watch for the light. Now, right now, you may be thinking... Uh, Okay, what, what, how does that tie in with Christmas? Because we're talking about Jesus coming and being born, him being the light. Yeah, but how are we watching for the light? Well, that's where it matters to understand the, uh, the season of Advent as the early Christians for centuries have understood it. Advent is not just Christmas. It's tied to Christmas, but it's not just the same thing as Christmas. Ad, Advent takes us to a time of looking for, longing for Jesus. We, we, in a way, you know, when we celebrate Easter, we don't just say, well, Christ has been raised. That's a great historical fact. We say Christ has been raised, and that resurrection is something we can inhabit now as we rise to new life, as we walk in this life, and as we look forward then to the coming resurrection. In the same way, with Advent, we inhabit the longing of the world for Jesus the waiting of the world for Jesus. But we do it with a different perspective because we know he's already come, just as he's already been raised. We think about resurrection differently. Because Christ has already come, we think about his coming differently. And we wait for him, we look for him, we watch for that light that's shining in our world, that has already shined definitively in the birth of Christ and in his life, and that continues to shine on down to this day. So in light of these realities, I want to invite you to celebrate Christmas with me this year in a way you've never celebrated it before. I want to invite you to start today on what is the first Sunday of Advent. And I want to invite you to join with me and join with your brothers and sisters, join with Josh over the coming weeks, and watch for the light. Watch for Jesus Christ. Watch for the meaning of His Entry into our world. Wait for his arrival as the king of the universe. Unfortunately, many Christ people celebrate Christmas today in a pretty shallow way. It's about toys. 
Sometimes it's a little bit better. It's about family getting together, and that is a good thing. But let me say to you that when you, when you actually start to examine what some people believe in, you find that, that many Americans believe more in family than they do in Jesus. And if I can repurpose the words of Jesus from a long time ago, something greater than family is here. Something greater than Solomon is here, Jesus said. Something greater than the temple is here. That's Jesus entering our world. That's God himself coming. And forevermore, because Christ came into our world, we are the people who can say, God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. They called him Emmanuel, God with us. God came to us. The, the, we just get so familiar with this idea that we stop being amazed that the God who created this universe is the God who came near to us and said, I am with you, I am for you. And in a way, unlike anything else the world has ever known, our God came as a baby and grew up in flesh and bones and, 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 and in a body. And, and John could write, the beautiful words, the word became flesh and he dwelled among us. We are the people who know that and it redefines everything because Christ has come among us. I invite you to celebrate Christmas like you've never done before. I invite you to watch for the light of Christ this year. Now let me just say just a few words about about why we might celebrate a season like Advent. I know that may sound kind of weird to, to some of you. Uh, depending on your background, a lot of different uh, Christian traditions have celebrated Christian holidays and, and things like Advent, but some of us haven't, and I didn't do it until more recent years. So let me just say just a little bit about why we want to do something like that. We celebrate Christian holidays because we cannot escape living in time. And time is an important part of how we live. If you think about somebody who's been found on a deserted island after years or months being alone, and what have they always done? They've been marking days, marking months. Somebody in a dark prison cell does the same thing. I know this because I watch movies, and we all know movies are true. Somehow, uh, they know that this is what people do. People, people do mark time, though, in, in all seriousness. And we, we, we care about events. Oh, it's that time of year again. Oh, it's, it's, birth, it's somebody's birthday. It's my birthday. Olivia announces her birthday well in advance because it is a big deal. We celebrate things that have meaning to us. And people have always done this. It's very natural. It's a part of human nature. But beyond that, it's a way of thinking about what's really meaningful. It's even a way of... of tying us to, to what we worship. The, the Roman Empire, uh, people in the Roman Empire early on understood this. And so with Caesar Augustus, some people, but I'm not sure how widespread this was across the empire, but I know in part of the empire at least, they proposed, let's begin our year with the birthday of Caesar Augustus. Let's, let's just make all time function around Augustus. And then they would celebrate his birthday each month. It was a way of sort of bringing people towards a worshipful understanding of the Roman emperor. But the Jews had a different way of approaching time. They organized their time as God had instructed them around salvation history, about, around what God had done in history. Here's Exodus 
Um, this is not working, but uh, if you give me the next slide, Josh. Exodus 12, thank you. Uh, 1 to 2, the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, talking about the, the time of the Exodus, the time of the Passover, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. The month that begins your year is the month when I delivered you from your slavery. Time is going to be reconfigured around the actions of God. Of course, they had three major festivals each year, and those festivals were tied to the action of God in saving them, and they celebrated these things. They, they organized their time around this. But when Jesus came, uh, would, you, would you go back, please, for me, Josh? I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, when Jesus came, time is uh, organized differently again. And today, we still mark our time, and I love this because people across the globe, even who don't believe in Jesus, still mark their time according to the arrival of Jesus in our world. That's why we have B.C., 2000 B.C., 3000 B.C., that's before Christ. And we have 2020 A.D., in the year of our Lord. This is what the Latin term means, in the year of our Lord. We're marking time still today according to Jesus. But beyond that, the early church, the early church began very early, very, very early, um, as would you would think for the early church. Uh, uh, they began replacing the Sabbath with Sunday as the Lord's Day, because that was going to be the, the the day that was the day that Jesus rose, and that was going to be the central day of the week for them, Resurrection Day. And then they began marking other days, other times like Israel had done. They began saying, "Well, let's, let's pay attention to our salvation history." And principally, you can see how that connects with what the Israelites had done. And uh, it's a beautiful thing, I think. It's a way of saying, even this too, Jesus rules. Even time itself will not be primarily organized around what our government's doing. What the civil calendar is. What my personal days are. The day of Pentecost will be more important to me than Labor Day or Valentine's Day, or Veterans Day. Easter will be more important than Independence Day, precisely because we understand the most important independence that this world has ever known came to us on Easter, not on the 4th of July. And so we say these days matter to us. Jesus is Lord of time itself, and we will think about our inhabiting time according to what Jesus has done. So when we come to Christmas, we come this year not just saying, great, Jesus was a baby, let's give each other presents. We come and say, what does it mean for a world to wait on the answer? What does it mean for the hopes and fears of all the years to be met in a little town of Bethlehem? What does it mean for us then to join with them in longing for Jesus, in longing for the hopes and fears of all the world to continue to be met in Christ. Because of Christmas, we are the people who forevermore can say, God came. God came. I like the way Matthew puts it, talking about Jesus when people were meeting him, the people dwelling in darkness. He's drawing on a prophecy from Isaiah. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region region and shadow of death, on them light has dawned. 
after years of sitting in darkness, people saw the light. It's not that God had given no revelation to his people. He certainly had. He'd given revelation to all creation in nature. He'd given the law. He'd given signs and miracles, and that was wonderful, but it was incomplete. It hadn't arrived at its destination, or maybe we should say the destination had not arrived. But then Christ appeared in the form of a baby and changed everything. The invisible God, the God for whom no images could be made, they would inevitably inevitably distort him. This God showed up in the form of a baby and changed the course of history, changed the course of Christian witness. So that when we get to the book of 1 John, we find John writing and proclaiming the message by saying, that which we have seen. That which we have heard. That which we have touched. The message of life in him we proclaim to you. God came. And everything's different because of that. Because God came, we can say, with the words of the song that are beautiful, the weary world rejoices. Do you know our world is weary now? It's battle-torn. COVID cases, COVID deaths above 250,000 just in the United States alone. We're torn with political strife, racial tensions. Our world today has gotten used to a kind of domestic terrorism. We scroll past. Another shooting happened someplace. Now we don't even click on the headline. Our world is broken, and yet we are people rejoicing because God came and he spoke to our world. He's spoken in a way he's never spoken before. Himself present to us in a body. You know, the first century world was broken too. We think our world is weary, but that was a weary world. Let me just read you these stats. Around the time of Jesus, about a third of those who survived the first year of life were dead by age six. Nearly 60% had died by age 16, 75% by age 26, 90% by age 46. A poor person in Rome could have a life expectancy of 20 years. Health was awful for lower class people. I'm pretty sure it wasn't anything close to as good as it is for us, even for the upper classes. But it's awful for lower class people widespread disease and malnutrition. The majority of these people had internal parasites by the age of 30. They had rotten teeth and fading eyesight. This was the world around the time of Jesus. It was a weary world, not to mention the violence that went on, the slaughtering, the injustices. And into this world of poverty, pain, and death, the Son of God is born 
and that weary world rejoiced. In fact, if you've ever looked at the scriptures, you've seen that surrounding the message of Christmas is joy. Let me just show you on the PowerPoint slides. This is talking about the wise men. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And then the next passage is the shepherds. The angel appears to them and says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. And this is the, the words of Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth is speaking at first. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. There's joy, and there's praise. You can read about this in Luke 1 to 2. Zechariah, Simeon, and Anna, the old, the old people in the temple, they worship and they give thanks. Here's just one of the verses. This is Anna. And coming up at that very hour, Anna began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This weary world rejoiced when they understood what God was doing. And notice it's not just rejoicing, it's rejoicing in God. We might just say they were worshiping. In awe and wonder and joy before God we worship. So today, in light of what's happened with Christ, we still watch for the light. It has dawned. But it's not yet complete. In the same way that Christ has been raised. But he's still raising people today. And we're still seeing the effects of that resurrection today. So we watch for resurrection. In the same way we watch for the light of Christ that's dawned into our world. I, I thought of this. Uh, have you heard about stars and how far away they are? And as Sydney said when she was a little girl about something, she said, I'm not science about that. Um, I'm not science about stars, but I think it's something like, you know, you'll hear somebody say, that star is 100 million light years away. And the light that we see from a star, actually the star may have already disappeared in reality. But the light has traveled to us and just, just gotten here. So you're seeing a star, actually it may not even be out there. The light has shined. I think of something similar with, with Jesus Jesus' light that shined in our world 2,000 years ago, it, it lit the world up right then, but we're still seeing it 2,000 years down the road. It's still hitting us in various ways all the time. That light that was a reality is still a reality. It's still traveling down through history, changing things that it touches. Everything is different because God has come into our world. This is the reason we have a Bible. The Old Testament points forward to this. The New Testament responds to this revelation. We have a new covenant. We have new life. We have new hope because God came. There has been an earthquake that has reshaped the landscape of, of global history. Everything's different now. Yes, it's 2020. And 2020 is crazy. But let us not forget that 2020 is still the year of our Lord. And whether you're laughing about it, or you're crying about it, or you're complaining about it, do not forget that the name of Jesus Christ has been stamped 
upon this year. 2020 A.D. 2020, the Lord's year. So will you celebrate Advent and Christmas with me this year? Will you join with me in watching for the light of Christ? It's very easy to spot the darkness. But sometimes we have to pay attention if we're going to spot the light. It's all around us. It's been shining down through the centuries since Christ came. We have to open our eyes and watch for it. I hope that you will join with me and with your brothers and sisters across the globe and with the great saints of history and begin today celebrating Christmas, celebrating Advent, and watching for the light. May God bless it to you. Amen.